2: Hello and welcome back to the No Ever podcast. New series, new podcast. Lots to go through for the first podcast of the new season. And James, Adam, and Kevin are all here to talk through it with me, along with Forest and Steve. And we're going to start start with Steve because the transfer saga of the summer has been Henry Landsbury. Um, and the latest this this is the modern world for you. The latest is that he, he's posted a tweet this afternoon, Monday afternoon that just says hashtag NNFC, NFFC and a little love heart. So that could mean anything, I suppose. Um, Steve Lansbury seems to divide opinion a little bit with Forest fans. What's, What's your view?
1: I think part of the reason that he divides opinion is because of the uncertainty about what's going to happen with him. You know how I think you find that with football fans that when somebody leaves, suddenly they're, not somebody that you're worried about losing. Oh, absolutely. Well, we've just lost
2: Jason Shackle, who we'll we'll come to later in the podcast, but amazing how many people suddenly don't rate Jason Shackle. He's been one of our best players for the last three years, but as soon as he's gone, he's just not a good player.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Lansbury is one of our best players. Um, I mean, I think he's probably one of those that's a bit capable of maybe getting into a comfort zone. Um, You know, he's been with us three years now. He's getting paid good money. Um, he's at a club that so far hasn't really met probably the expectations that he might have had when he first joined. You know, having got promoted with Norwich when he was on loan. So I, I guess he could slip into that way. But um, even last season, which was yet another disjointed season as far as Forest were concerned, he still scored 11 goals. Um, and you know, when he's on form, he's a key man in our midfield.
2: It, it's it's unusual for us to have such a, a public. Um, Transfer battle over a player. I think obviously, last some of those stories that we'd offered 4 million for him and it had been turned down, then we decided he was only worth 3 million in January and that was turned down. Now, apparently, we're offering about 3 million again. That normally indicates that there is some interest from the player, but Lansbury's been quite, quite apart from this tweet, which can be read different ways. Your press seems um, insistent that Burnley are very keen, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of progress. How do you think it's going to play out in the next few
1: days? I think it's probably a case of Burnley have decided you know, the sort of amount of money that they'd like to spend. Um, and Forrest are not really, as we understand it, under pressure to lose anybody at the moment. So even though we've got all these issues with um, FFP and the transfer embargo that we're under at the moment... I think from our side, the club won't sell him because it's a big deal as far as the fans are concerned and it will be quite a blow to the the kind of morale of the club at the moment. Um, So I think if it comes from anywhere, it probably will have to come from Lansbury um, and him actually wanting to make the move. And I guess from his perspective, going to Burnley is probably going to increase his chances of getting promoted, Um, but it's probably not going to have a dramatic effect on his financial situation, I wouldn't have thought, with your kind of history of um, wage budgets and things compared to ours where we've perhaps been a little bit more um, reckless is probably the best word but um, yeah we've been a bit looser with the purse strings um, so it depends really I guess how he sees his his options he's also well sort of quoted for not really wanting to go any further north than he is at the moment so he's got good links still with London from where we are Um that's where a lot of his friends are so I think there probably is. The reason it's dragged on is that Burnley would really like him, but there's no pressing sort of need for either him or us to make that
2: move. A further complicating factor is, of course, he's banned from driving at the moment, isn't he? So that makes it even harder for him to, to get around. Um, there's, there's been some suggestions. I don't know if it's just from our side or if you've seen it in your press as well, but there's uh, the link between Friedman and Lucas Jukovic, who he had on loan at Bolton. Um Forests have got an embargo at the moment, haven't they, as well? So would a a player plus cash deal be more acceptable than just money that you can't spend?
1: Yeah, there is a lot of talk about that at our end as well. Um, And there has been, um, Alan Nixon has been on Twitter talking about it. Um, he seems to be quite close to Friedman me he's suggesting that, that <laughs> but that seems to be something that he's suggesting that Friedman is looking for. Um, and that's also potentially a reason that he's suggesting why we haven't signed up Maynard as yet, even though we've had it on trial for quite a long time and that he's waiting to see what happens. Because FFP doesn't just mean we've got this transfer embargo that limits the amount of money we can spend it also means that we've got a limited number of squad places and that's nearly full now. So he's got to be a bit careful about in and outs and how that works. And obviously, if we can do a player swap deal, then it doesn't mean there's a fee involved and we're able to actually complete that transfer.
2: And just finally, Steve, before we let you get going and get on with the rest of the podcast, what what sort of player is Lansbury? What, what could we expect from him if he did make the move to Turf Moor?
1: He's at his best when he's given a, you know, a bit of an attacking licence, really. Um, he scores some cracking goals. He's well capable of shooting from pretty much anywhere. He sort of drives you forward. Um, there's been times when we've tried to play him a little bit more defensively and it doesn't suit him. Um, He likes to be able to pretty much kind of roam up and down the pitch and and be at the centre of attacking things. Um, As I say, he can be a little bit hit and miss, but I think that's probably to a certain extent because the expectations that we have of him as a a kind of a leading player. And he's still only 24. So, um, you know, he's got plenty of sort of career left in him. So I think he'd be an excellent signing for anybody in the Championship. Um, But I hope that we will be able to retain him and we'll go into this season with him. And if we were to sell him, we'd actually get more benefit next summer when, with a bit of luck, we'll be able to come out of this transfer embargo and reinvest any money. Great stuff. Well, I've just signed
2: Henry Lansbury on my football manager game, so I'm hoping he's, <laughs> he's going to do a good job for me. Um, we'll probably speak to you later on in the season, Steve. Thanks a lot for coming on. Well, that was Forest fan Steve talking to us about Henry Lansbury and the, the transfer saga of the summer. Um, James, we'll bring you in now. This Lansbury deal, it seems to have dragged on forever. What, what's your view of it? Are we going to get it done, or is it going to be another these that just... Slips through our fingers.
3: I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? It's clearly one that we've we've wanted to do for a little while. And when that's the case, and you it's come back up again, there's normally something in it. It's normally possible to happen because you you know people know don't they, in the modern game whether um, you know there's an opportunity to, to make a move for someone you wouldn't come back again. You know, a year six months after you've, you've previously tried, and when you know it's a no go. Um, it's difficult because the, the you know the the rumours of what prices we're hearing and stuff are, are, is wildly fluctuating every time. Obviously, last summer we're hearing they wanted something like six million. Then obviously there's a the rumour that we'd had two and a half million accepted, and obviously now they're talking it's more like four five again, or that they want a player in in a swap, um, which you know obviously does make sense to them because they've got a wealthy owner, and that's obviously the reason they've managed to get into fair play trouble. So really, giving them a big chunk of money for someone doesn't help them. The only thing it helps them is that eventually it means they might have the revenue necessary to to lose their embargo. But in the immediate term, it's actually probably worse for them than uh, keeping hold of it.
2: Earlier in the summer, they would talk about Jamie Patterson as well, another Forest player that we didn't ask Steve about. But presumably, they they want to keep as many key players as, as they can, just like any other club in the championship. So they won't want to lose Patterson and Landry. Um What what gets me is that it's just it. It seems odd that we've gone after him for now three windows in a row. There must be some encouragement from Lansbury's end. I'm not saying we've tapped him up, but clubs obviously have some. They get tipped to wink by an agent or something. They have some encouragement to go after a player. They don't just keep doing it if they don't think the player wants to come. But a lot of the noises suggest that Lansbury's not that interested. Um, Kevin, if we can bring you in, what's your view on this? This very very odd transfer deal.
4: Yeah, I think you 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 hit it on the head where with the third window in a row comment. Um somebody said it was groundhog day that we're putting bids in for players which are well below the, the, what the club wants. But it's even more groundhog day, but it's the very it's the same player as well. It's not that we are doing the same transfer tactic for three transfer windows in a row. It's the same player for three windows in a row. It's it's quite bizarre. Similar to what James said as well. Um James commented on the prices being uh, mooted around. Um it's not just for four million, four or five million transfer fee. It's also um, wages as well. I mean, Steve touched on it a moment ago about how they've been reckless with their money in the last few years and you look at some of the reports of what Forest players are being paid um, and they, they seem well above what, what we'd pro- probably be be willing to pay um, which which seems quite quite weird in that, like you said, there must be some encouragement there. We must know roughly what, what he's being paid and we must know that we'll be able to afford his wages if we did have a bit accepted. But there's been reports around of twenty thousand plus twenty five thousand for some some Forest players. And if he's one of their best players, then surely he's he's going to be up there. Particularly after we signed a contract last year, following our interest, that's um, that would have definitely pushed his his wage his wage packet up a little bit. You'd, you'd expect he'd be a really good player to sign. I think he's the top sort of player we need. From the sounds of it, he's sort of creative player in the middle of the park uh, which is something we lack um a little bit but honestly i, I can't see it coming off it'd be really it'd be, it'd be fantastic if it could but can i see burnley paying five million for a player and then paying huge wages on top of that um particularly after the last few windows when we've we've seen quite reluctant to pay over the odds um since we've we've we only spend a couple of million in the Premier League, but then go well above that when we get relegated. But let, let's see what happens. The um the
5: other thing for me is that this um, whole release clause business. It, there seems to be a lot of confusion about loopholes and and whether it's just it applies to Premier League clubs or it, it's it, or we, we don't really know what's going on with that. I
2: really hope you're not building up to your trigger trigger figure well, <laughs> trigger figure.
5: No, Sorry. well it, it, it was, it was weird because um nixon kind of re- uh, alan nixon reported that there was this trigger trigger figure i think was was the phrase that we use and it's usually a release clause or something yeah, so we don't know if there's anything different to a release clause or it's some sort of um other activation sort of thing um but um it's just just uh it's a bit weird really isn't it This uh this whole situation um i can't really get my head around it kev tweeted from the no no never account the other day that you needed to lie down once things changed it changed again it is a bit like that it seems to be changing every couple of hours um and i don't think we've had a situation much like this where we we seem to be intent on getting it we, we've had the obviously the last few transfer windows we've had oh we're going after this player oh we haven't met his uh the uh the requirement but um yeah um We'll see what happens, I guess.
2: The, the thing I don't understand about the release clause is, is the suggestion that it only applies to Premier League clubs. If that's the case, why would we have not activated it in January? It doesn't seem to add up to me. I suppose there's a chance that the, the clause only came into effect this summer, but it just all seems very complicated. And I think on the back of us probably getting the raw end of the deal on the Trippier release clause, it'd be quite nice for us to get a player on the cheap in response, but yeah, I think I'm with that I don't really see it happening. I think it's going to be too much money. And uh, although I think it'd be a good signing for the money that we we are talking probably a twenty thousand pound a week long term contract, upwards of four or five million pounds. Is he worth that? It's, it's difficult to say. Um, on the point I raised with Steve about the potential of Lukas Yukovich being included. Is a, a sort of make weight in the deal. Where, where do we all stand on that at the moment? Djokovic is our only fit striker. Does that affect our thinking, or would it just be an opportunity to get rid of a player who hasn't fitted in? I think is the the nicest way to say it. What do you all think?
4: I think uh, first off, it's, as we're talking about fees, fees and things, it's, it'd be interesting to see how how Djokovic plays into if if there is genuine interest on their side for Djokovic. Interesting to see how that plays in with with this trigger figure because. Um that that could potentially be why why negotiations if we if we are looking at the figures that were very interesting, I be why figures why these negotiations are taking a little bit longer um than you might expect. It might be that okay, let's say the trigger figure <laughs> which is a great term. Let's say the trigger figure is four million. We might be saying trying to trying to work out how much if they'll take a little bit less, but with Djokovic on the top of that, which again adds an extra complexity on top of it. I really don't know what to think about Djokovic, because obviously it didn't work for him last season. And he's had very mixed spells in his career. He's had a couple of spells where he's been he's been excellent, and a couple of spells where he's been well, like like he was last season. Um obviously the season before when he was with Dougie Freeman, he had an excellent spell of form at Bolton. Um and if dropping down to the championship he can he can now recapture really something like that, um, he could be an asset. But it, that's, a, that's a big but. And I think the problem now is that we've got two strikers who we know can do the business in, in Volks and Barnes. Um, yeah, we've also got two strikers who are big um, question marks in Sordell and, and Djokovic, who have both done things at periods in their career, both had big um, down parts in their career and both, uh, neither of them has ever scored a goal for Burnley in the league. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult one I certainly, if we, if we could get a, a, a million or so or even half a million off, off Lansbury's fee for Djokovic I'd be willing to see him go The
2: strike is a bit thin at the moment and we don't know if folks is going to be the same Boston's obviously new where, where hopefully he's going to do well but you just don't know Soda do and Djokovic we got so little like them last season I think we'd probably like another striker regardless of, of any outgoings in that area
3: yeah, I think um we probably need a new striker. Particularly obviously once Barnes got injured. I think there we've lost like quite a few guaranteed championship goals, especially considering what he are doing in the Premier League and you know, we haven't seen a lot of the old Sam Volks since he came back from injury. Um and obviously Djokovic just seems to have to score in pre season, despite having a had a promising start last year, he you know, he wasn't able to find the back of the net, so he's clearly got a bit of a confidence aspect to him and if he doesn't get a goal early on this season could it be the same as Osher?
4: The weird
2: thing about Jukovic is his pre-season form, he's been banging him in again recently and he scored a lot of goals last pre-season but when it competitive games, it just doesn't seem to count. We've started calling him the BFG at No Ever, the big friendly goal scorer but as soon as we're playing for points it seems to switch off in his head. It's very odd. I'm going to move on to talk about Jason Shackle next but I just want to fill you in about changes at No No Never for the new season. If you haven't seen it already on the website and on the Twitter, we are moving away from the blog side of things and concentrating on the podcast, this podcast, the award nominated No Name Never podcast. Um, so yeah, if you if if you want to come on the podcast, you're always welcome. We're always after guests. Please get in touch. The email address is net. But there's not going to be any more blog stuff. No more hot takes going on the net website. And there's a, a full explanation of why that is on the site now. Um, we've talked a lot about Henry Lansbury already. But the other transfer saga that came to an end last week was surrounding our captain, Jason Shackle, who eventually moved to Derby in a transfer move believed to be in the region of about £3 million. And Sean Dash was actually very strong on this in the media afterwards, having said that uh, reports that he was on his way were way, way off and that Burnley didn't need to sell and the decision would be up to him and all this stuff. He, he basically came out and said that Shackle moved for the money. Um, James, I know you've got strong views on this. You called Shackle a mercenary on Twitter. What, what's your view of the whole thing? Was it just inevitable that he was going to go?
3: Yeah, I think to be honest, it looked like his mind was made up. We could, we, we would have had to break our, our structure to to give him money, and that's always been the way that um, you know Darja said he doesn't operate things. Um, I mean, essentially, it just sounds like at the end of the day, uh, you know, Shackle no longer wants to to play in the the way that we do at Burnley, and you know, fit into our ethos, our system. And he's wanted to go elsewhere. And I think it's clear that Derby was the place he wanted to go to for quite a while now. So you know, I think it's one of those—you're better off having people who want to play for the team than you know, maybe someone who you know is a good defender but he, he doesn't want to play the way Burnley play. And you know, I think some of the reactions been a bit funny, saying you know he's not a good player anymore. Of course he is, but we have undoubtedly had his best years. You know, that's not to say that he's not going to continue to be a you know great Championship player. Uh, for another couple of seasons but um you know he's now into the point where particularly someone who's got his injury record you know with his his back issues and he's injured at the moment as well um you do wonder whether you're going to start getting diminished well, returns well returns we were told in he's injured
2: played. i don't know whether i believe that
3: i don't know but he, he has you know had continuous issues with his back while he's been burned even when he's been playing you know it was an issue we know it was an issue when he first signed for us. uh was playing under Eddie Howe he had he had back issues for a good chunk of that season. Um and obviously a bad back's not something that really gets better with age. It, it tends to get worse if anything. But you know I think you've got to look on the bright side for us that we, we signed Michael Keane in January. Um you know he was probably a little bit unlucky to get dropped in the Premier League campaign. Uh we've still got Michael Duff who, you know, can do it at this level. He's probably got another season in him. Uh, you know, he proved us all wrong at the beginning of last year when we said he wouldn't be able to in the Premier League. And I think him alongside Keane, uh, you know, with Ben Mee as cover, Kev Long when he can come back, I think that's a capable Championship defence, to be honest.
2: The strange thing for me about what Dash said was that Shaka wanted to go last season. Like, I can almost understand it this year. He's just got married. Maybe he wants to set up a new home, have a start a family somewhere else. But to go last season and... Lose the chance to play in the Premier League every
5: week. I think what he meant is he made it clear last season that if I think if we went down, then he'd be looking to to leave. But that's how I read it, at least.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it possibly was if we came back down, but it also sounds like I think he, you know, he never really wanted to leave Derby. To be honest, obviously there are the um, well tweeted and talked about rumours of why he left, um, and presumably that issue's gone away now, uh, and he's wanted to go back. Um, you know, sometimes players do and do that. But it does sound as well, like they've offered him a lot more money, which wasn't the case last time. One of our players went back to their former club Derby because um, it's. I think it's been widely said that Lee Grant had been offered the same money at Burnley as he was at Derby, and you know he just wants to go back there. But Jason Shackles clearly manufactured his way out. He, you know, he's worth more money. And on one hand, you can't be good for wanting to get more money, but I think the way he's gone about it. Especially compared to you know the way Kieran Trippier went about his transfer, just just leaves a bit of a sour taste.
2: Has he done anything different though? I mean, Trippier didn't really say anything either. Shackle just kept quiet. I mean, he was obviously agitating for the move, but
4: I don't, I'm not sure if the two situations are really comparable, really, because Trippier was was always likely to move on. He's he's taken a big step forward in his career as a young player. Uh and he needs to be staying in the Premier League and not just in the Premier League, but a, a a decent Premier League club. Um whereas Shackle is um taking at best uh, a, a sideways step um towards Derby. Um so I not I, I don't I'm not sure the two the two instances are are all too comparable. And, and and to be honest, I don't think we Shackle certainly hasn't said anything publicly that I know uh, I think he's gone about his business quite quietly. Uh, we don't know what he said to Dyson in the background. Um,
3: yeah, I think he's spoken to the media like once, which was yeah. when he signed. And for a captain, to be honest, I've always thought that was a bit off. You know, if he's such a great communicator on the field, I'm sure he can spare you know a couple of sentences to the press every couple of weeks.
2: I think. Um Sometimes that gets born out of proportion but I know that there's people in sport Who just don't talk to media because they've said Stuff in the past and it's got twisted gets misconstrued and they feel A bit betrayed and they just rather avoid it I think we can talk about the captaincy a bit later Because I do want to come on to possible replacements For Shackle but I think the media Is just a part of that isn't it, it's more important What they do on the pitch and Around the clubs and talking to the media, and let's be honest, the quotes that footballers give to the papers are not often very interesting anyway.
5: Do you get the impression that it is no, quite a I, sticking point? I there. Think... The press always, like Chris Bowden at the Express, is always keen to point out that he was very quiet, um, and I think it is quite odd. Uh, surely part of your, your I think it is an issue for some of his
3: teammates as well. Really, because you know after after a tough a tough defeat. Um, you know, it was. It's always people like Tommy and Dean Marley, uh Scott Arfield, who get roped into doing the press. When really, I think, you know, every now and then your captain should be stepping up and he should be showing that he's the figurehead of the team. And
4: yeah, it's as it much is a
3: that. sign to the fans as it's something to the press.
4: I really don't care if someone talks to me. Like Jamie said, Jamie said most of the time uh, player quotes to the media are uninteresting. I'd say ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of any any football person's quote to the media. Is utterly pointless and boring. I I I don't know why anyone is that interested in it anyway. So I don't I don't care if a player talks to a to the press. Um, I I only really if 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 he's if the captain's doing the job in the in the dressing room and in the training ground and that's, that's all that's all that matters really. Um, I think like like you said, um, Dean Marnie is a good example of a player who used to speak to the press. Um, said something it was blown out of all proportion. Um, and that's why he does not talk to the press anymore. Um, but yeah, c- c- can anyone really name many many occasions when a player said something to the press and you've actually been interested in it? Because I can't think of any. I, th- I think um, I think
5: it's more yeah. about the symbolic gesture of fronting up to the the cameras after, as James said, a defeat. That that's the, the only reason it re- really bothers me. But I I am like you. I don't really I don't really find myself enthralled with player quotes very often. <laughs>
2: Okay, we've probably talked a bit too much about Jason jackal talking to the media rather than um, actual football. So let's move it on um, a little bit. There's been three players out so far this summer. I think um, Ings and Trippier. We pretty much knew we were going to go. We talked about them plenty at the end of last season. Um, the two new arrivals, though, so Matt Lawton from Aston Villa to replace Trippier right back in. Jella Vossen, is it Jella or Jelly? I've got no idea yet. We'll have to work that out before the season yellow. starts. Jell Vossen, I believe
4: yeah. it's
2: yellow, 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 as in color. That's it's very complicated. Yellow, okay. Yellow Vossen from Genk via Middlesbrough. Um, what are our thoughts on those two? Are they of a good enough standard? I was quite impressed that we managed to get Lothian. I thought it would be out of our range, to be honest.
3: Um, on Lothian, I've, I've got a friend who I used to work with. He was a, a big Villa fan, and I asked and. He said good going forward, but not very good defensively. Um, but when that's in a Villa side, it's hard to say how to judge that because they're just not very good in general, are they? So, um, you know, I think it was a few people pointed out obviously that Shackle at first at Burnley conceded a lot of goals, and once Dash came in, we conceded a lot less. So, and I think Trippier said in his exit interview that Dash had done a lot for him on the defensive side of his game. So hopefully that's something that actually improves and obviously dropping down to the championship should mean he's facing you know less tough opposition um but oh you know on paper it looks like a great sign and you, you can't really complain if you you know you lose someone like trippier and you manage to get someone in from a, a Premier League side because on the face of it that's probably he was punching above our weight when he he did play quite a lot for villa the season just gone but the season before so clearly you know there's a bit of something to his game
4: yeah, I agree. And I think a, a really another I think it's really good that we've got a player who seems seems like a similar similar type of player to Trippier with him that he's he, he enjoys going forward and he contributes a lot to the to, to the attacks and I think that's really important because particularly when we've lost some of our key players in the side like Shackle, um Ings and Trippier for losing these key players, I think it's really good important that we get players in um who are who are gonna provide a similar function to the team so we don't have to change things too much. Um I agree, I think Lord sounds like a really excellent sign. I'm really lo- looking forward to seeing him play. Um Vossen's, uh, particularly not, not not necessarily as exciting. Um there's certainly potential there. I don't think he had the most outstanding um, goal scoring record at Middlesbrough. Um but it, it wasn't wasn't terrible either by by any means. Um uh I, I think a few Borough fans have said that he was played in the wrong wrong role at Borough, uh, which they have found quite frustrating. Uh, I think they should. They they think if he was played a bit more to his strengths, he would have scored a lot more. Uh, So, interesting to see see if if that's how we play and if we can get a bit more goals out of him. Um, And hopefully, obviously, hopefully playing in a in a Burnley team, which has got some 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 creative force going forward, we can we we can we can do that. Hopefully, can. Form a similar partnership with Vaux to uh, to what Ings did to what Ings did. I, th- I
3: think on uh, on yeah, Obviously, it sounds like he he didn't necessarily get you know the number of starts that a striker would like when he was at Borough And um, you know, I think if you look at the way his appearances came, nine goals probably isn't an awful haul for him. And you know, if he can probably get off to a decent start for us and you know, getting nice run of games, he, he could work well for us.
2: It's quite. He described himself as a as a number nine and a half, which is, is an interesting way of describing it. It does sound like he's going to play off another striker, which you do, I would assume is going to be Sam Volts rather than anyone else. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that one plays out. Um, we talked about Shackle and the captaincy earlier. Obviously, we are going to need a new captain, and Dash is yet to to announce who that is. Maybe waiting to see if he signs a potential. New captain as well. From my point of view, there's a couple of outstanding candidates. Um, Adam, if we start with you, who would you expect the new captain to be, and who who would your choice be?
5: I I am pretty convinced it's going to be Tom Heaton um, because it wouldn't surprise me if uh, it's kind of conspiratorial. But if Daesh fully expected Shackles to leave, it wouldn't surprise me if, in the terms of his new of uh, Heaton's new contract, where was the possibility of being made captain um i also think he's probably the best candidate for the job because he's he's very vocal he's he's from around Burnley somewhere i'm not really sure sure where um but uh, he likes talking to the press he likes talking to the press as is very important (laughs) for me and james Uh, (laughs) and uh he he just seems like uh, a good character to give the captaincy to yeah
4: i I Jamie said, "There's a few outstanding candidates. I think there's a few, there's a few good candidates, but they've all got um, negative points as well. Uh, I think Heaton would be a good captain for reasons um, Adam mentions, but then also uh, a big part of the captain's role, I think, is is talking to the players throughout the match. And if there's any confrontations, the captain is usually the first one up there with the referee or up with the other players. And you know, if we've got a clash of clash of players halfway up in the opposition half." Um, he can't necessarily do that um, which obviously that's not the, the the biggest part of the captain's job but it's, it's something to take into consideration uh, some other names Duff uh, Duff I think has advocate capt the armband a couple of times but um potentially could be his last season with us now um, so whether we want to be changing captains again twice in two in a couple of years um also. He's, he's not guaranteed to be on the on the team sheet every week, which you might prefer for a captain. Ben me, apparently he was captain uh, for Man City's youth teams um, and I think he took the captain's armband at Rangers, I think it was maybe, well one of the preseason games anyway. Um, so he's another shout, but again, he, he's quite young. I usually have captains who are a bit more experienced uh, senior squad players. Uh, and the other one is Marnie, who, again, I think could be a decent shout, but if he's going to miss half of this season, um, that's potentially a problem as well. From that, um, I, I think I, I really, I, I really don't know who will, who will go for because I don't, I don't think there's any one outstanding candidate.
3: Yeah, I don't think there's an outstanding candidate at all. To be honest, um, you know, I can certainly see the argument for Tom Eaton, but um, like Kev sort of alluded to, there is concerns that as a goalkeeper can be a bit isolated from. Um, you know from the action Uh, on the one hand he can see everything that's going on pretty well Um, but on the other hand he's quite a long way from any incidents it's difficult for him to talk to the referee difficult for him to talk to players who you know are in the back line or when we're defending Um, and then away from that you've, you've just got to think that most of the best candidates seem to either now be injured or you know get into the stage of their career where they're not guaranteed to play every game I've heard a few people suggest Ben Mee but I think he's still got aspects of his game to work on I'm not sure you really want to put the added pressure of being captain on him uh, you're distracting him from, from improving his game right now um, so I think it is difficult um, and in an ideal world I think Dean Marnie would be, be fit and you'd probably make him captain for the season um, but it, it's a really difficult one I think to, to choose
2: I think you're right though. I think if Marnie was fit I think it's a totally different question. Marnie would be the obvious choice. If Duff was a bit younger, then Duff would be the obvious choice. Um, I see what you mean about Heaton and, and goalkeeper captains, but it's it's not unheard of. Peter Schmeichel was the captain from goal, wasn't he? And there are a few from history who've done a good job of it. And I think as well, it's it's you don't have to have the armband to, to be a vocal presence. You need leaders throughout the team, I think, and maybe that's something we do lack in the squad at the moment, but... I don't think Heaton would necessarily have to come charging out of his goal to deal with any disputes. There's other players in the team that should take responsibility for that as well. I think captaincy, it's, it's a symbolic thing as much as anything. I don't think it's necessarily a massive thing, but it, it certainly will be interesting to see who Dash goes for. I, I expect he's going to leave it as late as possible because he might well make a, a new signing of captain. It's, it's not unheard of. Shaq obviously came in and and became captain. So yeah, we'll just have to see how that goes.
4: I think it's also worth remembering that um, the captain's role isn't isn't on the pitch predominantly. I think the, one, the biggest captain's biggest role is is often in, in the training ground as well. Um, so there's often a distinction between the two roles. You've got the match matchday captain, but also you've got his 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 club captain duties, which, are, like I say, are often not. There's different strengths, different ones. So in my book, Heaton is the is the outstanding candidate overall. role. Okay, he might not be able to do some of the things on the pitch. But like Jeremy said, we've got there's elsewhere in the team who can who can step up to the plate and, and do and do that, that role further in the pitch. Whereas if he that, that command and respect on the dressing in the addressing movement on the training ground, um that could be what 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 swings it for him. One of the uh
5: the worst things that we did i think it was last time we came down or just after that was make chris mccann captain because he totally wasn't ready for that role um i think that was mostly tied into his new contract if i remember correctly um but i think it, it's actually quite important to to have a, a good representative uh re- representative um of um of the team and and chris mccann wasn't that for me last time um so i i, I hope we make he, he makes the right decision um um, and it's not gone to someone random as part of a bargaining chip. I think um, just,
2: just one last point I think to make before we move on to something else. And we are coming towards the end of, of this week's podcast Think Just on Ben Me, we haven't talked about this yet. But if you made Ben Mee captain, is there not a chance that he's going to be moving to centre-back as well? Would well, that not be not too much room to cope with Ben Me? maybe playing... Not an unfamiliar role, but a role that he's going to have to relearn because he's played left back for a couple of years. That's perhaps another factor.
3: Yeah, I think that was kind of what I was getting at though when I was saying, you know, he's still got aspects of his game to work on. You know, when it's it's not certain he's going to be playing in the role he's playing in now. I think you're putting a lot in the mix there for him to, you know, to be dealing with, especially when he's still quite a young lad.
2: Okay, cool. Well, we'll talk about that in more detail. Next week's podcast potential lineups and stuff. Just one final question for you all before we leave off for this week. How satisfied are you with the, the summer so far? As we've talked about, there's been three out, three of our best players, our three best players. I would say only two in so far. If I say there's a lot of work to do in the transfer window so far, are we in shape for a promotion push? Is there a lot more to do? Um, James, we'll start with you.
3: Yeah, I think we could be in worse shape. You know, I sort of remember the the summer before the last time we got promoted and you know the the feeling was that we were we were going to struggle and I think if you look at the side now I you know arguably it looks stronger in almost every area you know I think there are a few pieces that need to come in I definitely want you know you definitely want a D Marner replacement until he's back because you, we've seen how much we miss having that sort of engine in the middle and um, you know maybe Lansbury's you know that player but if not we need to get a body in in the middle maybe even two to be honest um, you know as extra cover in case of injuries and then you're probably looking at you know you want another striker maybe you want a centre back as well because apparently Kev Long's you know still out for quite a while with his injury and in fact Dean Morn is supposedly ahead of him now I think was what's been said so um, you know there's, I think there's still a few positions that he's strengthening but you know, if the season was to start tomorrow, I wouldn't be saying that. You know, our hopes are dashed. You know, there's still a little bit of time to do something, and and I think we've st- still got a strong enough team that we could keep ourselves in contention. Uh,
5: I think the, um, the the case here is wait and see. I think the the message from the club, certainly from people like Darren Bentley, is that there are definitely going to be players coming in the door. So uh, it, it's very hypothetical to look at it. Um, now i mean we've expected we've expected um players to come in in the door before and they haven't arrived um but I, i i hope this time with the changes being made with like frank mcparland and 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 all that um i think we uh we will see more faces in anyway but as james said i i wouldn't be too worried i know there are some fans on twitter saying oh we're definitely not going to be uh, in with a chance of being promoted if we've got the same squad as we had as we have now. I think we've got a reasonable chance. You have to remember this is is it's it's had its uh, part of its core ripped out this, this this summer, but there's a lot of quality in in our squad, especially at championship level. Um, and uh, yeah, I I I think we will see some some new new signings possibly in the next week. So the next week could be key. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm fairly happy with, with what we have if, if there are bodies coming in.
4: Um, yeah, it's similar to what Adam said, really. I think um, we, we we certainly need some signings, but it's not the end of the world. I think we've still got a very strong team at the moment. Um, you look at how it compares to the end of last season. Um, we've lost three players, but we've replaced things, we've replaced Trippier, um, and Shackle, we've with Duff and we've I think with Duff and King we've still got a decent um, couple of centre backs there. Uh we'll still be looking to bring somebody in, but it's it's certainly nothing to to be too doom and gloom about. Um, I think the transfer window's been been decent so far. It's not been outstanding, but it's not been disastrous. Um we we always expected to to, to lose Trippier and Ings, they were very, very always going. Um Shackles a disappointment because he's he's, a, he's an important player for us. Uh, and particularly with the other two going, like I said earlier, we've we've lost three of our really key players. Three of our first te- first you know, team sheet players, um, which is a big loss. And they're, they're three players who are very key to the way we play as well. Um, so that's been interesting to see how how we deal with that because that's that's a lot of. It's not just players going out; it's, it's key players going out. Um, that's the biggest concern really. Uh, but in terms of the players we've got. Um, yeah, I'm relatively happy. I think the signs we've made so far have been, have been quite good. I'm, I'm quite happy with them. Um, the players we're, we're being linked with, again, um, are, are quite encouraging. And yeah, I'm, I'm relatively happy. I think there's lots of doom and gloom about, oh, we need to sign somebody. This is disastrous. We're, we've really weakened our team, but um, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be football fans if we weren't going over the top complaining about something. Um, yeah, I, I think I think if we if we kicked off the season today, we'd still have a a decent chance of being being up and around where we where we want to be.
2: Yeah, that was interesting. I'm not sure I would agree. I don't want to end the podcast on a negative note, but I'm going to. I think my my point would be that if you look at the team that we had two years ago when we got promoted, Ings has gone, Trippy has gone, Shackles gone, Marnie's injured, Barnes is injured. That's half the team, and we've brought in two players and Freddie Olverstad, who we've not talked about, it, but. There's a bit of a question mark over whether he's going to be up to it. So, I think it's it's difficult to say where we stand at the moment. It's obviously work to do. I'd like to see two or three in before the first day of the season. Obviously, it's, it's not easy to do deals. We've heard from the club countless times that negotiations take time and you've got to be patient. But I think we'd all like to see some some fresh faces. So was the suggestion I might be signing tonight? Uh, Monday as we're recording but apparently that's not going to happen now and then there was something about Chris Kirkland which is I think it's fair to say not the signing we're all hoping for a new third choice goalkeeper (laughs) that's something we can come back to next week Um, so yeah that is about all we've got time for on this week's podcast hopefully um, you've enjoyed listening to us again it's been a little while it might have been a bit rough and ready at times but we are on our way back. As Adam points out, the last time we got promoted, we did spend most of the summer buying goalkeepers. So that's maybe a good omen. And there was one good tweet that I just wanted to end the show on this week. From Tom Howard, he said, The day of a Burnley fan in the summer transfer window. Wake up, tweet Chris Bowden, tweet Alan Nixon, keep watching Sky Sports News, nobody signs, bad. Try, repeat. And I think we've got a couple more weeks of that to go. Thanks right, So Adam, Kevin and James for joining me. Thanks to Steve, the Forest fan, for coming on as well. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.